Amen. And soon and very soon, we are going to go see the King. I want to welcome everybody who's here this morning. Uh, welcome to those who are on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter there. Thank you for being there with us. I uh, want to encourage you to like, to heart, to share the posts there. Uh, be sure to do all that so it just helps to get the word out uh, about the services. And so encourage you also uh, to join us there on our phone live streaming. Welcome to those who are joining us uh, there also. If you need that number, we'd be glad to give you that number. Uh, we have several who use that service, uh, and it's a great service that we have there. Uh, we just try not to put the word out on social media what that number is because we used to have a lot of telemarketers uh, who called, which is fine if they wanted to listen, but it cost us uh, for every minute that they listened, uh, which was quite a bit. Uh, so I uh, also want to encourage you, if you're at home there and you have access to the church website, go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab there that you can download uh, today's worship bulletin. So be sure to get that downloaded. If you need one of these in person, our ushers will be glad to give you one. They're in the windowsills uh, at my right and left, as well as at the doors uh, when you leave. So be sure to get one of those. A lot of upcoming things uh, in the bulletin there. We've got our children's worship bulletins that are also under that info tab. And then also over to my right as well where uh, those are in the windowsill there. Be sure to get one of those. You can take them and share them with others. You can share the link uh, with others from the website. You can print them off yourself uh, if you want to. But also under that info tab is the prayer list, so be sure to get that downloaded uh, for today and encourage you to take the time uh, to do that. Looking forward to a wonderful time of worship this morning. Brother Mike's not here with us uh, this morning, but Brother Charles is going to be stepping back in for today. So, Brother Charles, good to see you, brother. Come lead us in worship. All right. <laughs>
seated. In person, you might not have known what was going on, and I'm sure online you wondered, why did Charles step out of the picture there? Uh, but we had some issues. We had moved our podium off the stage uh, for our Wednesday night program with Awana and didn't get all those cords connected uh, back this morning. So uh, bear with us this morning. Everything should be back up here in just a second running, especially if you're watching online so you can be able to hear through this microphone. Uh, just want to remind you of our missionaries of the week, Carlton and Cornelia Walker. Uh, they are serving in the Asian, Asian Pacific Rim peoples. Uh, they are international missionaries to Japan. Uh, they, they, go to one, uh, they go to a prayer meeting every Tuesday morning, uh, riding on a van around Tokyo, uh, and they seek to reach out to people to share uh, the gospel uh, with them. Uh, and the goal is there to be on site within sight is kind of their theme, uh, without making a scene. They circle the city, the missionaries see the needs, they begin to gain a deeper understanding of the spiritual barriers uh, that hold back uh, the, that mega city there of Tokyo from coming to Christ. So I encourage you to take the time to read uh, about our missionaries there in our bulletins. Uh, and let's go to the Lord in prayer about our missionaries. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for the blessings that you have given to us. Thank you for those who have answered the call to missions, as, such as Carlton and Cornelia Walker have. Father, we ask that you would uh, have your hands upon them to bless them, Lord, wherever they may be in meeting and services today there. Uh, Father, we know they've probably already met for their morning services. Uh, Lord, whatever other ministries that they continue to do, we pray, God, that you would bless them, continue to help them to have a wonderful outreach there in seeking to share the gospel with people discipling new believers, and we just pray for a fruitful ministry there, not only for the walkers, but for many of our missionaries around the world and across North America. So, Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us as we continue uh, to give to our Annie Armstrong Easter offering to seeking to reach that goal. If we've not done that, Lord, I pray that you will impress upon our hearts to give towards that offering in a special way today to help us reach that goal. So, Lord, bless our offerings this morning. Bless everything we do in coming to worship you. We give everything we have and everything we are to you and ask for your will to be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. And let me just remind you there, especially if you're online on our church website, uh, you can go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there. Uh, you can do your regular on give, online giving as well as your Annie Armstrong Easter offering uh, for North American Missions. Uh, you can do those both in person also. Uh, there are offering envelopes that are around. If you don't see one in front of you in the pew there, uh, there are some around in some other places, maybe in the pew in front of you, uh, as well as in the windowsills. Be sure to grab one of those and to give your offering this morning. And just want to remind you also about the Uniting for Ukraine Perspective Ministry that we're looking at doing. Uh, we're going to be having another question and answer uh, time next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. So I want to encourage you to plan to come for that. Uh, but even before then, if you have questions, uh, please just write them out on a piece of paper. You can place them in the offering plate. Uh, that way we'll be able to get those to that committee so that they can be able to give you a better answer uh, that evening when we have that question and answer time. So be sure uh, to take the time to write out any questions that you might have uh, so that th that'll help them to be a little better prepared uh, also. But you can come with your questions that evening and they'll try to answer those to the best of their ability uh, on that evening, May the 7th, next Sunday evening at six o'clock. So thank you for being here this morning, Brother Charles. Come again. Turn your hymn books to hymn number 447. You know, as Christians, we know that we don't fall into holiness 
we have to grow. So let's learn to trust and obey each and every day. Would you stand as we sing this hymn and the next hymn, hymn number 447. Thank you. Our next hymn is hymn number 426. After we learn to trust and obey, we have victory in Jesus, not only now, but in heaven forever. Hymn number 426. And at this time, the children will go over here for children's church.
Thank you. Be seated.
amen. <laughs> what a day that is going to be. And that plays right into the message this morning. The final judgment is coming. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? That's what you're going to find out in this message this morning. Are you really ready for the final judgment to come? Let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to begin with verse 31 down through verse 33. Matthew 25 verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful day this is to come into your presence to worship you. Father, I pray that we have worshipped you in song this morning, but Lord, may we worship you in your word this morning by listening to what you have to say to us, by responding, Lord, to the call in your word to make sure that we are ready for that day of the judgment. Father, I pray that if there are those who are here or those who are watching who don't know Christ as their Lord and their Savior, may that be the first thing they do is call out right now to the Lord Jesus to save them. Father, many of us who are here, we're believers. But Lord, I pray that this will be a time also of encouragement for us, of, of re making sure that we are uh, focused on uh, the things that we need to be focused on in these last days of our lives and the last days until Jesus comes again. And so we just ask your blessings on your word this morning as we look forward to what a day that is going to be when our Jesus we will see, in whose name we pray, amen. You can be seated. You know, every one of us have probably had it happen to us at some time or another, I'm sure. You're about to go see a movie uh, that everybody's been talking about. You've been waiting for this movie to come out. Uh, and, and friends look at you and they say, oh, it's a great movie, except it's just so sad that Han Solo dies. <laughs> and you're like, why did you tell me that? I wanted to see the movie. I didn't want you to give me a, what do we call it, a spoiler. Uh, and, and that's, you know, we, we think about uh, maybe you're reading a book and, and somebody comes to you and, and tells you the end of the story uh, in the book. Oh, they got a divorce in the end. Man, why'd you tell me that for? That's a spoiler. Uh, you need to give me a spoiler alert so I can say, hey, no, I don't want to hear any of that. And, and normally, we think that people who, are, who love to give those spoiler alerts are sadistic, hateful party poopers and they deserve some capital punishment. As the great philosopher Lee Corso was famously said once, he said, not so fast, my friend. Two University of California San Diego researchers conducted a study that suggested that spoilers actually don't spoil stories. They ran three experiments using 12 stories, and they discovered that people consistently enjoyed the story more if the ending had been spoiled than if they were hanging in suspense. One of the researchers gave this theory about why people kind of like to know the end of the story before the ending. Here's what he said. He said, so it could be that once you know how it turns out, 
it is cognitively easier, you're more comfortable processing the information and can focus on a deeper understanding of the story. You know, xenophobia is a fear that's almost universal. Even if people don't want to admit it at one time or another, we have this fear, which is called the fear of the unknown. It's one of the major reasons that people give for why they're afraid to die. Because most people uh, don't know what's after death. It's unknown. Uh, you know, Jesus here, though, in this passage, does us a big favor when he gives us a spoiler alert. He gives us a spoiler for the end of the story. At the end of his ministry here, remember, this is the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry on this earth. This is a midweek. Uh, getting closer and closer to the time of the Passover, closer and closer to the Lord's Supper and then to the Garden of Gethsemane and then on to the cross and on to the tomb. At the end of his ministry, though, here, before he leaves, he wants to give his disciples a picture of what you can expect after the end of your life because he knows he's about to die. They're wondering what's probably going to happen to them. They're going to need that encouragement in the days ahead. And so uh, at the end here, he gives this spoiler alert. It's a preview of the coming attractions. And another spoiler alert to his spoiler alert, it tells you whether or not you're going to live happily ever after and how you can if you want to. Now, we've already learned in Matthew chapter 25 that Jesus got upset and was angry, not at what people did, but what people didn't do. It, it all revolves around ignoring people who were needy and having hearts so hard that they didn't even realize there was a need uh, around them. Here's one last spoiler alert. What we're about to read is about an event that's coming that not a lot of people like to talk about, and a lot of people even want to deny and that's the judgment of God. Oh, we're ready for Jesus to come, but are we ready for the judgment? Because along with Jesus coming comes the judgment. And, and so what you're going to see is that the passage isn't really about the judge. This passage isn't really about the sentence or evidence that the judge uses to determine which sentence is appropriate. You remember the last time you were walking through a, a parking lot or a parking garage and a, and a car alarm went off? I, I remember I was talking to Samantha yesterday. I was in Lowe's parking lot, and she's like, what is that noise? And somebody's car was bang, 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 bang. She could hardly hear me on the phone there. Uh, you know, you hear that, and it's, it's an annoying sound. It's irritating, especially if it's your car. But if you're like me, you know what you do about it? Nothing. Nothing, there's nothing you can do, unless you know whose car it is, unless it's yours. There's nothing you can do about it. Why? Why don't we do anything? We've heard many car alarms go off, so many, that now car alarms have lost a lot of their purpose. We don't pay attention anymore. Somebody could be trying to break into that car. Our natural assumption is, it's just their car. It's just making that noise like it always does. So think about what we're about to read as an alarm. We shouldn't ignore it because we're all in this story. And it reveals what's coming to us when life is over. There are some facts that we ought to face and be ready for what faces us. Here's the first thing we're going to see that faces us, that we should envision a spiritual 
separation. We should envision a spiritual separation. Here is Jesus, as we said, who's getting ready to go to the cross. He's getting ready to, to go to the grave and then to come back from the grave, uh, to come out of the grave alive. And then he's going to ascend into the heavens. He's, he's checking out. He's leaving. But just like the first time, he's coming back a second time. That's what we read here in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes... It's not an if. Uh, notice this. Uh, notice the word when, it, not if. There's no doubt, no room for doubt here. Jesus doesn't say, you know, maybe I might return. If you guys are good enough, I'll come back. No, he, he doesn't say he might return. He doesn't say he could return. He says he will return. And that's what he implies there when he says when. It's not an if. But when, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Now, we've already mentioned this a little bit in last week's message and the week before, but uh, one out of every 27 verses in the, Old, in the New Testament uh, talk about the return of Jesus. 2,300 times in the New Testament we're told He's coming back. 23 of the 27 books in the New Testament tell us he's coming back again. And so we have the assurance from God's Word that he is coming back again. So what is his first order of business when he comes back again? That's what you see there in verse 32 and verse 33. So immediately he comes back, verse 31 said, to sit on his glorious throne. Verse 32, before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and he will place the goats on the left. And so he, he's not going to lack for an audience Everyone, every eye is going to see, every ear is going to hear. You're going to know it's not going to happen in secret when Jesus comes again that you're left wondering, did he come? Did he not come? No, everyone is going to see, everyone is going to know. And he's not going to lack for an audience. Everyone who's ever lived from the beginning of time, all humanity is going to be standing before him. All the nations, that includes everybody. Ethnically speaking, there are two categories of people. There are Jews and Gentiles, ethnically speaking, through the Scriptures. But spiritually speaking, there are also two categories of people. There are children of the kingdom and children who are not of the kingdom. And Jesus knows who's who and which is which. And the Bible tells us here he's going to separate the two. Now, that's not our responsibility to do. Now, too often we get the cart before the horse and we try to do that ourselves in determining who's saved, who's not. That's what the Lord is going to do when he comes back. And so there are going to be those who are of the kingdom and those who are not of the kingdom, and he's going to separate them. Now, separate is a sad word there. It's one thing to separate a mother from her baby or a mother from her daughter or a father from a son or a husband from a wife. It's one thing to separate people on earth, but it's another thing to separate people for eternity, especially when one group is going to go to be with God forever and the other group is not. 
And so Jesus pictures these two categories and describes them as one group being the sheep and the other group being the goats. Now, this would have been a very familiar picture if you lived in that day because shepherds usually had mixed flocks. The shepherd had sheep and the shepherd had goats. But where the sheep uh, preferred the open air and could be left in the pasture at night, goats were more susceptible to the cold. They had to be kept warm, so they needed shelter. The shepherd cared for the goats, but he had a special love for the sheep because that's what makes the shepherd the shepherd. Sheep follow the shepherd. Now, understand goats are very stubborn, and that's the point. The shepherd knows who belongs to him as sheep. The shepherd knows those who reject him as the goats. And all of us, every single one of us who are here this morning and those who are watching online, you're going to be in one category or the other. And it all depends on your relationship to the shepherd. Just know that there's coming a spiritual separation and so how does Jesus know the difference? How can you tell one from the other? Well, notice he goes on to give us the answer to that in the second point, that we will experience a personal evaluation. We'll experience a personal evaluation. So the way that Jesus determines who are the sheep and who are the goats comes as a total surprise and a complete shock to both the sheep and the goats. Notice what he says in verse 34 down through verse 36. It says, after he separated the two, then the king will say to those on his right, who's on the right? The sheep. He will say, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then notice what he gives in the description here of what kind of people, what kind of character they were. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. So get the picture here that Jesus says that the evidence that the sheep actually knows the shepherd is because the sheep loves who the shepherd loves and cares about who the shepherd cares about. Now notice there are six things he lists here. Uh, feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, hospitality to the stranger, clothing to the naked, visiting the sick, and visiting those in prison. Notice the foundation for his selection wasn't, well, this person's got their membership at this church, and so they get to be a sheep. It wasn't church membership. It wasn't religion. It wasn't how much they gave into the tithes and the offerings. It wasn't how many scriptures did they have memorized. It wasn't even baptism. Heads are spinning at this time when Jesus says this because everything that, had been, that they had been taught, particularly by the Pharisees who were legalistic, had just gone out the window. Because the Pharisees focused on all the works that you did. And they said, if you've done this amount of works, if you've done these good things, then, then that's what's going to get you into heaven. And Jesus destroys that, wipes that all out. It's gone out the window. 
But notice here's the response in verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him, those who are on the side of the sheep. The righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or, and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when uh, did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And notice verse 40. And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it unto one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. What's the sign of the sheep? How do you know that someone is truly following the shepherd named Jesus it's not our seminary degrees, it's not our church attendance, it's not our theological knowledge. Uh, no, the sign of the saved is their love for the least. At this point, two things need to be made abundantly clear. First of all, we have, as believers, a responsibility to care for everyone who is poor, who is hungry, who is thirsty, who is naked, who is needy, who is in prison. We're told unequivocally, go back to the Psalms. Even the psalmist told us in the Old Testament, in Psalm 82 and verse 3 and verse 4, he says, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. So Jesus is being more specific here, though. He's talking about his brothers and sisters. He's referring to his followers, to his disciples, to Christians. And so how we respond to followers of Jesus, to people who bring the gospel, determines who we are and where we go. It, it, it is that way because you're not responding to the followers of Jesus, you're responding to the Jesus who lives in those followers. In fact, if you'll remember, Jesus said, they shall know you are my disciples, how? If you have love, and he's talking about his disciples, he's talking about us as the, as the New Testament church, he's talking if you have love one for another. Now, if you have love one for another, you're not only going to have love just for the people in the church, you ought to have love for those who are outside the church. You ought to have love for those who are outside who are not believers. And so notice uh, that, that it's that way because when you're responding uh, to the followers of Jesus, you're responding to the Jesus who lives in those followers. If you truly love Jesus, then you will love his followers and especially the least of his followers, which leads to the second clarification that we need to make. You may be tempted to think that we're saved by doing good deeds and doing good works. There's a lot of people all around us today, even in our culture where we live here in Middle Tennessee, who believe that it's my works that earn my way to salvation. Let me make it clear that the Bible is extremely plain. We are saved by grace through faith, but saving faith is never alone. In fact, James tells us that, that faith without works is dead. It's a dead faith. You're, you're professing it with your lips, but you don't have anything in your heart. And, and so here's the difference, is that we don't put the works before the being saved, before the faith. 
The faith comes before the works. Faith trusting in Jesus and what he did on the cross and his resurrection. And so we see that the Bible is very plain and very clear that saving faith is a faith that works through acts of love, caring for the least and the lost. So followers of Jesus have placed their faith in Jesus, but what is the mark of somebody who has placed their faith in Jesus? They love the others who have placed their faith in Jesus. They respond to the message of those who have placed their faith in Jesus. And they care about the least of those who have placed their faith in Jesus. This is exactly what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. He said, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to who? Everyone. To everyone. That means those who are saved and those who are lost. So Paul doesn't say that, well, you're just supposed to love those who are inside the walls of the church. It doesn't matter what you do with those outside. Not at all. Notice what else he goes on to say. He says, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we need to love those who are of the household of faith, but we're to love everyone. And again, that's not just some, some idea that we have, some, some mushy feeling that we have. It's action in love. And, and so this applies to everyone. If we're not concerned for the poor, if we're not concerned for the indigent, if we're not concerned for the immigrant, if we're not concerned for the outcast, if we're not concerned for the refugee and the prisoners, then we really don't love them. If we don't love the least then what does that say about our love for Jesus? If we don't love the Lord, we haven't truly placed our faith in the Lord because faith without works of love is dead. If there is no faith, then the Bible tells us there is no salvation. What Jesus is talking about has nothing to do with how we get into the kingdom. It's about how we can tell that the kingdom is truly in us. So in other words, what Jesus is not saying is if you do this list of six things here, that's going to get you into heaven. He's saying you know that you already are going to heaven if these six things are a part of the practice of your life. And so when, when you drive your vehicle and that check engine light comes on in your car, even though you hate to see it, it lets you know that something's going on. That check engine light for all of us who claim to be believers is to remind us that real faith leads to real love, actually love for the least. And the truth is, if we're going to be like Jesus then we have to get and put our attention on the poor and not just the rich, on the sick and not just the successful, on the powerful and not just on the powerful but the powerless, on the have-nots and not just the haves. That leads us to our third point, that we can expect an eternal destination. There's not only going to be this separation we heard about, 
There's also going to be that personal evaluation where you need to be examining your heart right now to make sure you are in the faith, that you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. What is the character of your life? Are you loving others like Jesus loves others? Here's the final point. You can expect an eternal destination. It doesn't matter which side you're on, whether you're as the sheep or whether you're as the goats. Because for every positive, there's a negative. Two groups are mentioned here, the sheep and the goats. And when everything is said and done, when the spiritual separation happens and the personal evaluation comes, it's going to lead to one of two different eternal destinations. Notice verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into eternal, eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 42, For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer. Get this, both sides thought, when did we see you this way, Lord? It caught everybody by surprise. Whether they were sheep or whether they were goats, they both asked the same thing. They both answered the same way. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Verse 45, then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. One of two different eternal destinations. So understand, every person who's here, every person who's watching online, we are all headed for one of two destinations. One is a place where we'll be with God forever. Another is a place where you won't be with God. One is called heaven, the other is called hell. Hell is total separation, not just from the sheep, from the goats, but it's a separation from God Almighty. That's what he says in verse 41 in the beginning. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. Depart from me, the Lord you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So the real separation comes in the final destination. Now, we may separate men and women. We may separate the rich from the poor. We may separate the wise and the foolish, the rulers and the subjects, the haves and the have-nots. But the only division that really matters is between those who go into an eternal punishment and those who go into an eternal life forever. And notice the word punishment. It's only used three other times in the New Testament. And in all three passages, it refers to eternal punishment. What makes this even more tragic is that this eternal punishment 
wasn't even prepared for the goats. It wasn't prepared for anyone who, who's on this earth. In fact, God is wanting all to come to salvation. Notice what he went on to say in, in verse 41 after he said, Depart from me, you cursed. And notice where he says, I want you to depart to. Into the eternal fire, prepared for who? In verse 41 there, prepared for who? It prepared for the devil and his angels. Not prepared for you. He wants you to go to heaven to be with him forever. This place called hell was not prepared for people. This was not God's intended destination for anyone. This isn't God's choice. This is humanity's choice. This bothers a lot of people. It turns off. It's a turnoff for many. Judgment carries negative overtones for a lot of people in our liberal, post-liberal, modern, and post-modern world. But let me remind you of something. In the Bible, God's judgment is a good thing, something to be celebrated, something to be longed for, something to be hoped for. You don't believe me? Listen to what the psalmist says. Back in the Old Testament, in Psalm 98, in verse 8 and verse 9, he says, Let the river clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. Before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people's with equity. So understand this. Make no mistake about it. There is going to be a judgment. And God is going to set this world right once and for all. There's a lot of people around us in this world who are lost even, who want to see justice. Let me tell you, one day justice is coming. Justice is coming. Now, you may not like it when it comes, especially if you're not ready. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. But justice is going to be done. N.T. Wright, who was a great theologian, he once said this. He said, in a world of systemic injustice, bullying, violence, arrogance, and oppression, the thought that there might come a day when the wicked are firmly put in their place and the poor and the weak are given their due is the best news there can be. Faced with a world in rebellion, a world full of exploitation and wickedness, a good God must be a God of judgment. So understand that a righteous, holy God requires him, that just by his nature and his character there, being holy, it requires him to hold us responsible for the life that we live and the consequences of our actions. And what we do and don't do matters more than our eating or our sleeping or our dying. What we do here determines, gives evidence of where we will spend eternity. What we do for God in this life determines what God will do for us in the next one because it gives the evidence of our faith or the lack thereof. The great preacher John Stott put it this way. He said, our eternal destiny is settled in life, sealed at death, and stated on the day of judgment. In one of his radio broadcasts, C.S. Lewis gave his own spoiler alert when he said this, I wonder whether people who ask God to interfere openly and directly in our world quite realize what it will be like when he does. You know, there's a lot of people who want God to divinely intervene and to just let them have it, let them get what they deserve. 
And he said, I wonder if they quite realize what it will be like when he does. He goes on to say, God is going to invade all right. When that happens, he said, it is the end of the world. When the author walks onto the stage, the play is over. For this time, it will be God without disguise. Something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature. It'll be too late then, he said, to choose your side. It'll be the time when we discover which side we have really chosen whether we realized it or not. You've had your spoiler alert. Jesus says he is coming again. He says there is going to be a separation. He says that there is going to be a, a personal evaluation of your heart and of your life. And he says there is going to be an eternal destination. Which place will you be? With God in heaven or separated from him forever in a place he did not make for you to go? He loves you and wants you to go be with him. If he didn't love you, he would have never sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. So let me encourage you this morning. Trust by faith in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much. What a powerful word from Jesus. For those who are saved, to be encouraged, Lord, that if we are living for you, if we are doing those things of, of, of feeding those who are hungry and giving water to those who are thirsty and clothing those who are naked and caring for the indigent and, and for the immigrant and for many others, Lord, who are the least of these, it is giving evidence of our faith in Christ. Now, Father, we understand that there's a lot of people who do a lot of good philanthropic things that have no relationship to Jesus. Father, we are, we are to be loving these individuals the way you love them, with, an, with an, a, a love that has no strings attached, with a love that goes the extra mile. A love that reaches out and not only ministers to those people in their need, but shares with them the love of Jesus Christ in the message of the gospel. That they too could make that decision to trust by faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that if we have examined our own hearts even this morning before that great and terrible day of the judgment, Lord, and we realized I'm not doing those things then either one of two things has happened. Either one, we didn't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior to start with, or somewhere along the way, we've drifted away from you and, and we've allowed this world to crowd out the, the seed of the Word of God in our lives and, and we're just living like the world instead of living like the love of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray this morning that we would come to the place of repentance to make sure, Lord, that we are demonstrating these characteristics in our own life, giving evidence of the faith we have and the love we have for Jesus because of the love he has for us. And so, Father, I pray that your will will be done in our lives to bring us to that place of repentance. But, Lord, we can't help but wonder if there is someone who is here this morning or someone who is watching online who they've realized this morning 
if the judgment were to happen right now, I could not honestly say that I would be counted amongst the sheep because I've never trusted by faith in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My name's not written in the Lamb's book of life. Father, I pray that those individuals will call out to you this morning and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, that he loved me, that he was buried in that tomb and arose three days later. I profess you, Jesus, as Lord with my lips, and I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. I trust in Jesus this morning as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, come into my heart. Save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I pray that if there's someone like that this morning who's prayed that, or someone even online, that they'll just comment there online or come forward in this invitation this morning if they're here in person. And Father, may you be glorified and may you be honored as they come to give testimony of the faith that they have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior and to follow through with believers' baptism, giving that evidence once again of their faith in Jesus. Bless us this morning in this invitation. May your will be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. We're going to ask you to stand as we sing our hymn of invitation number 307, Just As I Am. Will you make your way and come as the Lord lays on your heart this morning? Just as I am. Let me just say one thing as we come to do announcements. You come on, Brother Steve. Uh, that we will be having our sing tonight. So if you're planning to sing with us on our fifth Sunday sing, uh, please let me know sometime today uh, so we can get you on that list uh, in the order there so we can get you uh, down on that list. Let me know sometime before you leave today. If you are on the personnel committee also, I'd like to meet with you over here to the right, uh, my right to your left, uh, for just a few brief minutes. So thank you. Uh, Pastor Jim, thank you for that message. Uh, very dear to our hearts. Um, Matt, I believe you have a couple of announcements. Uh, parents, if you have kids going to Center Kid or Youth Camp, then May 1st is um, we need to get the deposits in. That would be tomorrow because we, after May 1st, um, we cannot change our, our numbers. And so I want to be sure that we get those deposits in because if, if we don't, then I need to readjust 
and call them and take away our spots so that we don't overpay for for spots um, if we're not going to if kids aren't going. So please uh, let me know uh, if you can get those deposits in. You can pay them online as well. Just designate it as camp uh, and let Amy or myself know. Um, also, there are waiver forms that uh, you need to fill out if you have kids going to camp. Um, I'll be sending those out to you this week through uh, if your kid is going to Central Kid Camp. Uh, all those forms now are electronically, uh, and so you have to fill those out online um, instead of we can't print them out is how Lifeway is doing it. And, and uh, if, uh, parents, if you also got kids going to youth camp, I have those forms because it's a different camp that you can fill out and have that filled, and Amy has to notarize it. Also, um, if you have received a awareness training email, we need you to fill those out if you are volunteering for VBS. Um, even if you've done it before, again, those recertify every two years. And so there's new things that they add to the training. So please take time uh, to do that as well. And if you have kids who are, or youth who are also um, volunteering their VBS parents, I'll let you use your discretion if you want them to watch those videos or not. Um, uh, I think it would be helpful for them, but again, that's your choice uh, as well. And so today is Share Sunday, so we will be going out uh, today at 4 o'clock to be sharing the gospel and praying for others. Again, what a timely message for a day like this. It's a beautiful day, a great opportunity to share Jesus. I was listening to a uh, podcast this week, and it said evangelism is not optional, it's commanded. And so I want to encourage you, don't take it lightly. I know it can be scary, but use this as an opportunity to go with others and to share Jesus and to pray for others in our community. Thank you. Pastor Matt, thank you very much. Uh, a lot of activities for our youth and children, and uh, we love seeing that. So, uh, As far as uh, announcements, there's a lot of announcements in your bulletin. Some of them have been mentioned already. Upcoming events, May is always a, a very busy month. We've got graduations coming up. so. Please read your bulletin and look at all those. Uh, an update on Sandra Wells. She came through her surgery fine on Thursday for kidney stones. She's back home yesterday, so we want to continue to be in prayer for her. And one last little story is it is the fifth Sunday of the month, and we do have a meal today. So visitors and friends, would love uh, everybody would just love to have you stay. And I'm going to, a little spoiler alert to that. I went up to the kitchen a little bit earlier, and there's lots of food. It looks great. It smells wonderful. So please, if you didn't plan to stay, stay. I think you'll have a great time and really enjoy it. Is there any other announcements? Uh, Judy? Uh, if you couldn't hear that, what Judy was referring to is our ministry center building where uh, on Fridays we have it open for uh, the bathrooms and we share information and Judy and Michelle are, are there most every Friday and 
uh, if you'd like to volunteer, I'll also be a help with that. But uh, they can share a lot of stories with you and uh, tell you a lot of wonderful things that's happening. So see them. Brian, I believe you. Okay, uh, that was uh, for Carolyn Neal. She's at Brookdale and uh, covered your prayers for her and, and the family. If we don't have any others, we'll, we'll close in a word of prayer. Join me. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. So thankful, Father, that we can come together, that we can, we can study your word, we can listen to your word, and, and Father, just share in stories. We're just so, so grateful, Father, for the love and the blessings you provide us. Father, we want to continue to pray for those that need, us, uh, need you in a special way, those that have uh, lost loved ones, uh, going through surgeries, uh, just whatever be the case, Father, you know the situations. Just be with every, every one of those concerns. And Father, we're just so thankful we have the opportunity to uh, have a meal together today. We want to thank all those that have been so uh, involved in the kitchen, uh, the preparation, the tables, just thankful for each of them. And Lord, we just want to thank each individual that uh, uh, brought food today. Uh, it's just such a blessing. Father, we just uh, love you for all that you do for us. And Lord, we just ask that you forgive us and we fail thee. These things we ask in the precious name of your son. Amen.